Amen, amen. Uh, on three, read. Uh, verses one through six. One, two, three, go. Amen, amen, amen. In our time together today, I'm going to tag this text, Fighting the Right Battles. Fighting the Right Battles. Let's go before God today. Father, we uh, come before you with the necessity and need and understanding of the fact that you are our Lord and you are absolutely committed to us and you're committed uh, to helping us to live life in a reflective and biblical and committed way that honors your heart, that lifts up your name, and that points us constantly towards the Lord Jesus Christ. So in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, God, will you be with us? Will you uh, go beast mode for us, Lord God, and help us to be who you want us to be by use, utilizing this time to conform us to your image? Let the words of my mouth the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. And I pray that your people will be encouraged and committed more deeply to living for the cause of Christ in every single area of their life. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. You may be seated. Uh, <clears throat> this fall, um, probably uh, for my wife and I have probably been one of the most difficult falls or seasons in a long time. Uh, it seems like that everything in our life is going haywire. Uh, on this end, something's happening. On this end, something's happening. And, and one of the things that we have to be careful of is fighting each other. One of the things is when hell is breaking loose in your life, your tendency is to do stupid stuff. Now, I know I'm by myself, so, you know, uh, I'm the only human being in here that's trying to press towards the mark. But so I'll just talk to me because this is just for me. So anyway, um, um, and so, and so you, you'll do stupid stuff and argue about stupid stuff, uh, really forgetting that you're on the same team. And so what will begin to happen is, is, is the enemy, when stuff happens to you and difficulty happens to you, when you don't have a divine perspective, you just start doing stupid stuff and you start making not mistakes but mishaps and hyper errors. And what happens is, is, is that you're not allowing your mind to be calibrated by who God is and helping him, allowing him to give you clarity in your life in relationship to what's going on. And so she and I, uh, uh, in getting in alignment with one another, if, uh, 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 you, you, we have to get in alignment to one another to identify what's going on. And then in identifying what's going on, we decided to put our war clothes on. In other words, we didn't put our war clothes on to fight each other. 
uh, 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 we, 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 we put our war clothes on to fight the enemy and each other. Now let me explain that in a second because some of y'all are gonna look at me like you're funny because the biggest enemy is not the enemy out there, but the enemy that's in a me. And, 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 and if you don't know, and see, 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 it doesn't matter what the enemy does to you. It doesn't matter. The question is, is what is your response to what happens to you? Because that is the, your response reflects whether or not you'll give him room to stay or flee. Now, the biggest rebuke you can give the devil is to ignore him. Somebody gonna get that later. The Bible says resist him. Sometimes resisting is like, do you hear something? I don't hear nothing. And then he'll flee because he only stays where he can do work. So, so we're going, but, if you, but if you have some things in your life that germinate and build an environment for his influence, he will make himself at home. As a matter of fact, he may just hire property brothers off of Home and Garden TV and renovate your mind to set up shop in your mind. And so today, as we look at this passage, we're looking at Paul. He, he, he's going to begin to help the believers in Corinth to face their spiritual immaturity by knowing how to fight the right battles. In other words, you ever entered a trial and you just began to think stupid stuff, acting a fool, and, and, and you, you're not really calibrated yet to the fact that you're actually in a trial beyond the shock and that you want to apply and let God do what he wants to do in you. And God work will not work in you until you calibrate the fact that God is at work and doing something within you. When you got to recognize that no matter what season of life you're in, no matter what you're going through, no matter what challenges you're experiencing, God through Christ is at work within you. You cannot, listen, you cannot become absent-minded. You can't allow the situation to create things in you that make you more bitter towards God than better in God. And so we come here, and I got one point, I promise you, and one point only. If you're going to fight the right battles, number one and only point, Fighting the right battle involves using divinely empowered weapons. Let me say that again. Fighting the right battle involves using divinely empowered weapons. Um, Paul is talking to the Corinthian church who are filled with spiritual immaturity and aren't functioning like they want to function in relation to how he wants them to function and God wants them to function. He is defending his apostleship. And as he is defending his apostleship, he's finding that their disposition towards him as a leader who has helped and influenced them um, is based on faulty mechanisms that go deeper than him just arguing with them about his issues with them. See, if he just argues about his issues between him and them, they'll miss out on the deeper things that they need to work on in order to grow and be conformed to the image of Christ. That means sometimes you have to not take things personal when you're having issues with someone because you need to see what's behind what's in front of you. If you don't learn how to see what's behind what's in front of you, you're in trouble. Look at verse one. Look at verse one. In other words, Paul begins to be upfront about what irritates him. See, that's what you got to learn how to do. Look at what he said. He said, I, Paul, myself, entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I like this. Because he, what he does is he goes back and he pulls on principles 
from one of the commands of Jesus, pointing to Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. And he says, come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly at heart, and you will find rest for your soul. So that meek and lowly or meek and gentleness that Jesus talks about is in the midst of people who have a wrong disposition towards him. You, you, ever, you ever did something for somebody? And no matter what you did for them, they don't have no appreciation for it. Oh, y'all ain't going to talk back to me this morning. And so, and so, and so, and so what, what, what they began is they began talking behind Paul's back. Now, usually Paul wouldn't answer critics having issues with him. But because the issues that they have with him is connected to their growth and spiritual maturity, because he's an apostle, he engages it. Because if they reject him, they're rejecting the stream of blessing and influence and gospel uh, uh, strength that God brings through building the foundation of the church through the apostles and prophets. And so therefore, he gets in there and begins to engage them. And he's a little, he's a little, he's a little mad with them. And so what he does is, you know, Jesus, he, he kind of throws the Bible at them in a godly way. He kind of says, yeah, I know, because they think he's a sucker. The text says that. Look at it. He said, I who am humble when face to face with you, but bold toward you when I'm away. So basically he got, he heard through the grapevine that the Corinthians said, Paul, you know, Paul, you know, he get all up on your face when he there and he all chill talking about the little stripes on his back. He always getting beat up through trials and stuff. And so he not really a swole dude, you know, like he not really about that life, you know, but all of a sudden these letters come and he in the letters, he's. He's spitting game we ain't never heard, you understand? Like, like, where's all of this, all of this weighty, you know, he, I mean, he, it's like he got a, it's like he got a, a, a chip on his shoulder towards us, but that dude, when that punk come around, man, Paul ain't like this, and so they talking smack, and so somebody snitched, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and somebody snitched, said, Paul, they, they ragging on you crazy, saying you a punk when present, but you a beast when gone, and so I, I think you might want to handle that, you know what I'm saying? And so, and so instead of going off on them, he's going off on the ideology that they don't understand humility and meekness, and the relationship it has to Christ and the fact that they actually like people who assert themselves versus those who submit themselves to the glory of Christ. And so what happened is, is he's going to get into them and challenge them about their faulty disposition towards him, which leads to a deeper root of challenges with their spiritual life and with their soul. And so as Paul <laughs> begins to work through this, he begins to go down. He says, you know, I, I beg of you, I beg of you. <clears throat> that when I'm present, I may not have to show boldness. In other words, <clears throat> like don't separate me putting you on blast from meekness and gentleness because, I, I, because it's not separate from that. He says, with such confidence, he said, as I count on showing against some who suspect us of walking according to the flesh. So what happened is, you have a minister to somebody loved on somebody and did it for years, then one person come to them, get in their ear, and it changes everything you did. So you see, that's what happened here. So, so Paul like invested in this, invested in them, and then the Judaizers came around and said one little thing, and they and they're like, oh man, that's that's what's up. You know, I knew something was wrong with Paul. You know, I felt something. You know what I'm saying? I ain't really know, but you know how you get that feeling? Something, boom. And so they start putting Paul on blast, right? And so Paul is like, nah, that like you're not understanding how the kingdom works. And because you don't understand how the kingdom works, you're letting foolishness influence you because there's something deeper behind that. Look at what he says. He says, for though we walk, I love this, 
Though we walk according, I mean, we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. Beautiful. So, so, so Paul uh, is being charged with utilizing his spiritual authority in a faulty way. And so because he should have a better track record with them, they believe what they want to believe because of some stuff that's inside of them. And so what ends up happening, he says, yeah, we walk in the flesh in the sense of being human beings because we have a body. (laughs) But we don't don't wage war according to the flesh. I like the fact that he used war language here. The reason why he uses war language is because he wants God's people to think about what what he's about to engage them with as him being in a war and recognizing that they're in a war. Now, when he says, please bear with me a few more seconds, because he says, we're not waging war according to the flesh. What's the flesh? The flesh isn't your body. The flesh is the mindset that is open to and influenced by the world, the flesh, and the devil. In other words, this cosmos. Right, right, right. And so, 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 so that's what we, that, that, that's the idea of the negative and demonic influence that comes in relation to the fall that, it, that the enemy uses to access people. So he says, although we walk according, we, we live in the flesh or walk in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. And so in him saying that, he's letting them know that they're in a war. But look at what he says next, because he wants them to recognize and understand this particular thing, is that walking to the flesh looks like several things. It looks like this. Galatians 5 says, now the works of the flesh are evident. Verse 19, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envies, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. What I like about this is he don't give an exhaustive list. He said, it's stuff like this. You understand? I can keep going, but you know, anything like this, if you're a believer, you know what's similar to this mess right here. See, an immature believer or a non-believer may not know the difference between this, but a person that understands and knows God should know the difference between what it means to walk in the flesh and walk in the spirit, right? Boom. So he lays that out for them to help them to use that. And so waging war according to the flesh is having embedded in our motives the deeds of the flesh which flow out of unredeemed motives. So by using these to fight, that is fleshly mechanism, you, you reap based on the sphere of where you fight. What do I mean by that? The Bible says, if you sow to the flesh, you'll reap corruption. If you sow to the spirit, you'll reap eternal life. Be not deceived, but God is not mocked. Whatever a man soweth, that will he also reapeth. And so what he's doing is he's helping God's people to begin to build a foundation of where the fight actually takes place. And in understanding the foundation and ideology of where the fight takes place makes you utilize God's weaponry properly. So that means you can even use a godly weapon for ungodly means. Okay, let me see if I can make a plan. I remember one time I was preaching, this is, this is a good while ago in Epiphany's journey. And I was preaching and in the message, I just all of a sudden got on homosexuality like in a really, really weird way. And it was really out of place. And it was this lesbian um, uh, young lady sitting in the congregation and you should have saw the look on her face. So after the sermon, she makes a beeline up towards me. And um, she gets in my face and she begins talking like, Which, and I, I said, well, we degree, uh, disagree on ideology, but I do think that what I did was wrong. And I said, the way I handled that and brought that up out of nowhere was wounding to you, and so can you forgive me? In other words, waging war according to the spirit means sometimes properly using God's weapons for God's means that actually minister, not hurt. Okay, let me see if I can make it plain again. 
So some of you all at Thanksgiving, some of y'all at Thanksgiving are hurt for the right reasons, not the wrong reasons. At Thanksgiving, you know, there's a group of family members. Everybody got a group of family members that they come late to Thanksgiving. Um, and they always got a van or a pickup truck outside. And there's always something in there that they don't bring in the house because Big Mama and Big Daddy don't allow them to bring that mess in the house. So what they do is they go to the back of the pickup truck around there in the alley and they do a little fuh fuh and a little cat cat. And, and then they come back in real nice acting a fool. And then you in the midst of that because you're the righteous Christian, godly person, you begin to go off in the midst of the family and show the fact that you're a Christian, show the fact that you go to church and show the fact that you know your Bible, show the fact that you're better and you do more belligerent blistering than blessing. So, 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 so it's not just fleshly warfare itself, it's even using godly mechanisms in ungodly and hurtful ways. But, 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 then, but then Paul does something helpful to frame and help us. He says, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power. Somebody say divine power. It has divine power to destroy strongholds. That means, that, that means our, our weapons are not Smith and Wesson and Remington and uh, Strum Ruger and all of that. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, 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 the, the, the mechanisms of warfare are not of the flesh, but they have divine power. Uh, uh, um, um, this idea of divine power is connected to the idea of the fact in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, the Bible says, seeing that his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us into by for his glory and excellence. So therefore, the connection of the divine power by being regenerated through Christ gives us the ability by God's strength to utilize weapons that have divine power. Now, basically, God utilizes, we'll get to these weapons in, in a second, and why they have divine power and how to use those weapons, but it's God's omnipotence, his all-powerfulness, utilizing it in a way to fight battles that God has called us to fight. So, so, so the question, though, is, is it, why are those weapons here? What are those weapons given for? It's to destroy strongholds. And, and those weapons are specific to destroying strongholds. Now, the question is, what is a stronghold? Uh, a stronghold in particular is a couple of things, but I want to focus on one definition right now in a second. But what a stronghold is, is when a city was built back then, they would build walls high around it to make it very, very difficult to get in there. In other, in other words, you would have to go to strong war against it, but this thing can hold up against an attack from someone else. Well, the thing that he's calling a stronghold here isn't something positive. He's calling it something negative. This stronghold is not fortified things walled in on the outside of you, but it's fortified things that are walled in the inside of you. And so when we look at this idea, he says every lofty opinion and every argument, which points to the fact that a stronghold isn't a sin that we do on the outside of us. In other words, pornography watching isn't a sin. I mean, it isn't a, it is a sin. It isn't, whoa, whoa. Somebody's like, really? Dang, 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 man. So you're like, yo, pastor just bless my soul. It, 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 is, it, is, it is not a strong, it is not a stronghold. It is not a stronghold. Um, alcoholism and drug use isn't a stronghold. <coughs> Those are only sins that are expressions of the stronghold. 
My, my, my definition of stronghold is this. A stronghold is a mindset, value system, or thought process that hinders your growth. Let me say this again. A stronghold is a mindset, value system, or thought process that hinders your growth. Please write that down somewhere if you're taking notes. You really need to write that down. It, it, it hinders your growth. And the, the thing that happens with strongholds is, is, is these strongholds are things. I, I like the way um, uh, one, one, one brother says it. He says, um, they're fortified patterns of thinking that stubbornly resist God's ways. <laughs> Every one of us have strongholds. Okay, I'm gonna say that again so the room can understand. I don't care how young you are, how old you are, you have foolish, dumb, stupid, ignorant ways of thinking that exist in your life. <laughs> now, 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 the issue isn't, I'm not trying to beat you up. You need to admit that you have some stupid things that you think that have been embedded in your heart and mind that are a part of the matrix of your life's value system. And if you do not do that, you will, you, will, you will not get to the place and develop and grow in the areas that God wants you to grow in. And so a stronghold is those stubborn things in your mind and those fortified ways of thinking. I like the way Dr. Evans says, it. he said, a stronghold is a mindset that is viewed as unchangeable in our minds. And so what a stronghold does is it takes root and it's what I call an unbelieving belief system. It, it, it functions as an unbelieving belief system. In, in other words, and the enemy loves these because what he loves to do is utilize situations and darts to plant these thoughts in your mind so that they can do something in particular, exalt itself against the knowledge of Christ. That's what the Bible says. In, in, other, in other words, it, it, it exalts itself and makes itself bigger than Jesus in your life. Yeah. And, and what you have to begin to do is find out what your stronghold is. So let's go, let's go to some little sins, greed. But we'll, we, it, it, the Bible calls it greed. We'll call it, call it being, being a boss or being on our grind. But see, we have ways of coloring it. You know, you, you have fits of anger. I'm a passionate person. You know, I know ain't nobody in here said that. <coughs> you know, you know, you know, you can't keep your eyes off the opposite sex. Look at that. I just appreciate how God has created people. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? See, a stronghold is not, let's see, this is the issue. You can have a stronghold and have the right theology. Okay, let me, let me see if I can make it plain. <coughs> see, see, if, if, if bringing a stronghold you got, that, based on that definition, into your mind, I want you to bring it up in your mind. And I want you to think of the fact that you know where in the Bible that thing is wrong. But what happens though is, the thing that makes the stronghold a challenge is you exalt the stronghold above the knowledge of what you know about it that's in the Bible that makes it wrong, and therefore you make room for it. And so what you've done is you've created a renovated facility in your heart and mind for that mindset. And when you begin to do that, one of the things that's challenging about those strongholds is whenever somebody bumps up against it, this is how you know it's a stronghold too. You already know it's a stronghold because it's there and it's a sin. But when somebody bumps up against it, you get angry. You get irritated because you don't want God to challenge you in that particular area of your life. And so, and so what Paul is beginning to help God's people do 
is he's helping God's people to recognize that these strongholds exist and that God's people need to make war on them and deal with them. He says, we destroy. Somebody say destroy. I, I love this because what he's beginning to do is teaching God's people how to treat those strongholds. I'm going to give you some practical ways to destroy strongholds in a second. But, 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 but I got to lay this. He says, argue, uh, he said, arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of Christ in different areas of our lives, including myself, and I'm preaching to myself today, I am fighting, will be fighting until Jesus comes back to make Jesus. Jesus, the biggest thing in my mind. Let me say that again. You and many and I in different areas of our life, Jesus isn't a big deal in that area of our life. The reason why he's not a big deal in our life is because we've made room for something else to be a big deal. And we've been talking to ourselves. Your greatest conversations ain't the conversation you have with anybody else. Your greatest and most challenging conversations are the conversations you have with you. Oh, y'all not going to talk back. Uh-uh, uh-uh. <laughs> see, see, if you don't learn how to tell your thoughts what it needs to be told, you're in trouble. Okay, let, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me move forward in the text. Because look, look what the text says. The text says something interesting. Um, uh-uh, uh-uh. He says, what, what we want to do is we want to destroy every argument, raise against the knowledge of God, and take every thought. Somebody say captive. There it is. There it is. That's how you know you're in a war. You know you're in a war, but you can't take something captive until you fought off what keeps it there. Okay, let me see if I can make a plan. Y'all are gonna be funny. When you go to war, you don't just go in and take captives. You don't get captives until you fought something or someone and they've surrendered. And when they surrender, you must capture them and bring them in. The problem with some of us is we fought some wars and seen some victories, but we didn't take the thought captive. See, you can fight, but then if you leave the thought there, they're like, really? I can stay? And you know God, that's why God would have God's people wipe out folk, even now in generations, because he said once they grow up knowing what happened, they're going to come and raise themselves up and build themselves up again to come fight you. Your thoughts are the same way. You got to commit genocide on your thoughts. <laughs> if, if you don't, and you must, and that means, that means you have to see your thoughts as an enemy. Oh, y'all not going to talk back. Let me, let me tell you something. You really, like, it's some ways that you think about sexuality. It's some ways that you think about that. Some of you are in a season of your life where you wish you were married and you blaming all of this. And, you, and there's, there's a chip on your shoulder. I ain't even going to look at none of y'all. I'm going to just let you look at you. <laughs> and you're bitter with God. And what, you're, what, what begins to happen is, is the stronghold isn't, I'm mad because I want to be married. The stronghold believes God sees me suffering and he don't care about me. Ooh. Some of you have gone through something difficult and you say, why did God let that happen to me? Then back in your mind and heart, maybe God really isn't good. And then what happens is all of these things begin sprouting up that become fruit of that stronghold's root. 
And what begins to happen is, as you begin to do all of these different things, you've confessed the sin over and over and over again, and you're like, why in the world can I get free? Because there's an ideology that has taken root that is under it that has made the environment fruitful for that struggle to be a struggle because you got to go to the root of those things. Some of y'all need to track your mind thoughts to some deeper things and ask the Spirit of God to work in you and to challenge you and to get to those deep places in your heart, in your mind, in your soul, in your spirit so that you can be free. You're trying, see, some of y'all got, some of y'all got covenant eyes, some of y'all got accountability, and it still don't work. And the reason why is because there's something under there that says, man, the devil got better honeys and dudes and sexual desires than God, even though God created sexuality. Hold on. How in the world does the devil who comes to steal, kill, and destroy have better than the manufacturer of the universe? (laughs) It just doesn't. But see, that's how stupid our fallen flesh can be is we will allow demonic ideologies to take root. That's why the Bible calls uh, uh, what the devil shoots at you flaming darts. Oh, let me, let me, I wish I had time. Um, a fl- reason why, reason, <laughs> see, see, a flaming dart, when it comes, it doesn't just penetrate. It's on fire. So the desire is not to just hit that one spot. It wants to spread. See, the enemy, when he penetrates you and hits you, the, the dot is flaming in order, and notice it didn't say dart, singular. It said darts, plural. Because the reason why it's flaming darts is because he wants to permeate your life in every single area of your life with his demonic ideologies. And that's why you and I need to quit playing around and being lazy and we got to put on our war clothes. (laughs) If If you don't learn how to put, you gotta begin to put on your war clothes and stop being apathetic. When you're being apathetic, the devil isn't. The Bible says he walks around all the time. <laughs> Am I in the Bible still? He's, he doesn't, the Bible never said he says that. Even his conversation with God and Job. What you been doing? Oh, I've been walking around. He, he always like this. Let me see. Let me see. Oh, they, they're not in community no more. Oh, he off by himself. You don't go to life group. You don't go to Sunday morning service. You don't get in this. I'm going to watch him for a while. Oh, he didn't read the word this morning. Man, it's been 24 hours, 36 hours, 48 hours, 72 hours. He hasn't prayed yet. Got me one. He is a master psychologist. And he watches you. And he wants you. And he wants to destroy you. He has an arsenal of techniques from millennia of dealing with believers who refuse to fight. So what do we do? When you, how how do we take the, how do we take the thought captive? How do we use these divinely depowered weapons? What are the weapons? You're gonna be surprised. The number one weapon is the verse I quoted earlier. His divine power has granted us 
all things that pertain to life and godliness. Why does that matter? Because us trusting Jesus Christ as Savior gives us new life and connects us to everything God has made available to you. Let me, let me say this. God isn't sending anything else from heaven but Christ returning for you. Okay, y'all, y'all, y'all looking at me funny. If you don't, stop asking God for, 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 for self-control. Stop asking God for patience. He already gave that to you. The issue is never does God give it. The question is, do you access it? Okay. <laughs> okay. Look, 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 look. There, there are a few things, and I promise I'm out your way. <clears throat> Number one, prayer. Number one, prayer. 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 Prayer, then prayer. And I know that seems simple. But I'm trying to tell you, there's not power in prayer. There's power that meets you in prayer. Oh, see, y'all not going to talk back. See, don't let them cliches fool you. You praying doesn't do anything. It's the one who meets you there that does it. (laughs) Okay. Jehoshaphat, warrior king. All of that, Second Chronicles 20, the enemies come against him. He drops down, puts on sackcloth and ashes, and prays. He begins going before God, pouring out his heart in prayer. Now, a battle is, why in the world, if somebody's coming to kill you, will you pray? If, in other words, if somebody coming your way, listen, you just go get the gat and go to work. I mean, cast street sweeper, boom, it's over. But Jehoshaphat does something different. He recognizes that without God, he will lose. And he cries out to God, and guess how God answers? He said, you can stop praying. I've already heard you. Jehoshaphat, this battle is not yours, it is the Lord's. Okay, y'all, y'all think it's funny. Jesus, G- Jesus is in prayer and he's in the garden of Gethsemane. Man, I don't wanna go to the cross. That's what let this cup pass means. In other words, I don't wanna experience the mystical separation in my humanity from you. I don't even know what that's like. And I know how brutal this is going to be because I've seen it in eternity, how I was going to die because you slayed me before the foundation of the earth. He has all of that in his mind. And in the midst of prayer, he says, you know what, though? Not my will, but thy will be done. In other words, the weapons of your warfare are not carnal. You can cuss. You can fuss. You can get in the comment section on Facebook. You can, you, you can, you can tweet and you can put articles out there. But at the end of the day, you better learn how to get on your knees and pray. <clears throat> next one. Next one. Next one. I got to move. I got more on that, but I got to move. Bible. Get in the Bible. Now, some of y'all are looking at me funny, but half of y'all, 80% of y'all, don't read the word on a regular basis. You know I'm telling the truth. Jesus, in Matthew 5, 
didn't say, devil, I serve notice to you, and I come against you. He didn't say none of that. He only you. this is the God of the universe. He didn't say one word that's outside of the Bible when he was talking to the devil. He said, man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In other words, you and I have to learn how to fight in the word. Let me, let me tell you something. This week was a very discouraging week for me. Not because my wife can't have cancer, but because a lot of stuff's going on. Very discouraging. And I was, I've been in the word, and I've just been not able to get my mind right. Just like, why am I not focused? Sermon prep was tough, and just... You know, just every, and then I'm reacting to every little thing with frustration because I just didn't feel like I was connected to God's word. Yeah. So I'm on the phone with my spiritual father. And, 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 and he quote, it's funny, in prayer, he, he, he talked to me, told him everything is going on, and he gave me some advice and then prayed. When he prayed, this is what he prayed. He says, for we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life. That's how I felt for the last two, three weeks. I despaired of living. And he says beyond our strength, he said, indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. He says, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And let me tell you something. I don't know what happened, but when I heard that, my spirit stood up and was like, mm, I feel him now. Because God said to me, everything you're going through, I'm gonna raise you and your wife up from the dead. And when he said that, all I needed was one word from God and the stronghold in my mind was decimated. At that moment, you have to get in God's word for yourself. Uh, Put on your war clothes, the full armor of God, Ephesians 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Because what the enemy will do is he'll shoot darts like, just give up. Take your own life. Divorce your spouse. Quit your job. Give up on that person. And then he will allow statements to get in your mind that demean your value so you don't value you. And you have to get there. But, but, but as I was feeling that, my wife went on the way. Um... <laughs> to a date, and I put on some music. I needed to worship. Usually I put on some sexy music. <laughs> Usually I put on some Earth, Wind & Fire, Commodores. See, I don't know nothing about that. Y'all too young for that. <laughs> you know, I put on some Osley Brothers and all of that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, um, because, because every now and then you need to shift the atmosphere. <laughs> Amen. Ba-ba-ba-sata. <laughs> but before I could put that on, I had to put on something else. And I began to put on some worship music. But the Holy Spirit 
speaking to me. And I began, I got so overwhelmed. My wife was like, you need to pull over. <laughs> and as I began to lift up my hands and worship God, and guess what happened? I took off the spirit of heaviness and I exchanged it for the garment of praise. See, see, see this is, this is some of y'all problem. See, some of y'all are sadiddy and don't understand that worship and praise is a weapon. Y'all don't get it yet, y'all don't get it yet. See, worship and praise See, some of y'all, because I'm, I'm wired this way and I'm melancholy and I'm like that, 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 that. See, praise is a weapon. Let me prove it to you. The Bible says that Paul and Silas, when they were in prison, were weighed down in a feces pit called a prison. And he says, while they were in the midst of that difficulty, frustrated and beaten up, broke, busted and disgusted, my Bible says that they began to pray and sing praises unto God. Now what's interesting about that is you would think that a person in that type of circumstances would just sulk and be frustrated and exchange war stories of frustration. But in the midst of their difficulty and in the midst of their frustration and in the midst of the stench of the circumstances that they're in, they begin to open up their mouth and give God the fruit of their lips. You ain't got it yet. And as they began to give God the fruit of their lips. My Bible says that the foundations began to give up praise to God because if you don't praise him, the rocks are going to cry out. And the Bible says that because the foundation was shaken, the prison doors that were locked, the prison doors that were shut, the prison doors that were guarded by their enemies had to open up. There's some things in your life that God ain't gonna open up until you open up your mouth and give him some praise. There's some things in your life that God wants to do. Some of y'all still ain't get it yet. You still too sedity. You ain't been there yet. Maybe you ain't gone through nothing bad enough, but I know the God that I serve that when you exchange the spirit of heaviness for the garment of praise, he'll do something. Y'all still looking at me funny. Y'all still looking at me funny, it's okay. I got one more story, I got one more story. And so, let, let, me, let me just let you know, just sit down, sit down, just one last thing. And then, and then you can, we can praise him out. <coughs> Children of Israel, in the book of Joshua, see praise makes you look stupid. Okay, y'all still looking at me funny. Can you imagine the Jericho army and the warriors with spears and bow and arrows on the top of the wall listening to the children of Israel with no physical weapons in their hand carry a box with extended sticks on it and trumpets around and they marching, they quiet. Walking around the side, they marching, all of that, and they marching around and they don't say nothing. They do it seven times for seven days. And so they're like, what are they trying to do? But on the last day, 
on that last day, they stopped. And when they stopped, the Bible says that God commanded them to blow the trumpet. And when they blew the trumpet, the Bible says God told them to shout. They didn't use a, a battering ram. They didn't have those catapult jaws. They didn't have anything but a praise on their lips. And because God, they gave God the praise, because they gave God the glory, the wall began to respond to worship. The wall began to shake. And as the old psalm says, the walls came tumbling down. There's some stuff in your life that's standing up in place and it's fortified and it's strong. But if you would open your mouth and give them the praise, there's some stuff. See, some of y'all don't know nothing about that. Some of y'all need to be in your shower and just say, bless that wonderful name of Jesus. He's my rock. He's my fortress. In him will I trust. Bless the name of Jesus. Lord have mercy. Bless that wonderful name of Jesus. Victory is mine. Victory is mine. Victory today is mine. I told Satan, get thee behind. Victory today is mine. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we have Some of y'all still ain't get it yet. There's some things in your life that you don't need to wait to Jeremiah or Tiffany or Aaron strikes up. Some of y'all need to be doxer at home. <laughs> somebody, somebody, you missed that. <laughs> Let me just tell you something. You need to get out of your mind the faulty theology that praise doesn't do anything. That's a stronghold. Praise is, and worship is emotionalism. That's a stronghold. Praise and worship is for those who don't believe the Bible. That's a stronghold. You and I need to learn how to use the divinely empowered mechanisms that God has given you so that you can walk in, we overwhelmingly conquer because of him who loves us. And I'm telling you, when you praise, when you praise, like Fred said, there will be a fire in your heart. And guess what you'll find? As Jesus starts getting higher, in stuff in your life, all of the other things in your life will begin to plummet. Yeah. 
some of you are going through some things and wrestling with some things and you've lost focus and those things have become bigger. I'm gonna pray for you in a second. But first I wanna call those who may not know him. Father, maybe there's someone here that does not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Maybe you've never placed your confidence in Jesus Christ. What does that mean? All of us are born fallen. God, we deserved eternal separation, but Christ came so that we wouldn't have to pay for our sins forever, died on the cross, was raised from the grave in order that we may have life. Maybe you're here today and you've never placed your confidence, your faith in what Jesus has done. Stand up, slip your hand up or stand up and we love to talk to you about what it means to go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Does anyone want to put their confidence in Jesus today? Anyone want to say yes? I want to say yes to Jesus. I want to say yes to God. I want to say yes to him because of what Christ has done. I want to say yes, yes to him by faith through what he's done for me on the cross. Anyone today? Amen. I want to pray for you. Some of you know God spoke to you. I'm not going to prompt you and prime you. And some of you are dealing with some, many of you, not some of you, many of you are dealing with viewing things properly. And you've forgotten. You've forgotten or never knew how to use non-carnal weaponry. And you want to put on your war clothes and be encouraged in that. Come up so I can pray for you. You've been fighting your own battle. And God wants to fight for you and with you. That's you, we love to pray for you. I see y'all coming from the balcony. We'll wait for you. 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 The greatest things you can do is, as a believer, to awaken, to awaken, to awaken. The Bible says, awake sleeper and rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Let's move it in a little closer. I want y'all as close as possible. Give everybody room. We can put some people right behind here, right behind here. Yes, moving as close as possible. Yes. Lord, almighty. God, the enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to get us believing that you're not good. He wants to get us believing that he has greater things than you. He wants to get us believing that we'll never get over our past. We'll never get over the hurt. You don't care and you've abandoned us. 
Somebody here says in their heart, I don't believe, I, I love God, I come to church, but I, the way I feel because of what I've been going through, I don't believe, like really to be honest, that God has good for me. The way I feel, I, I really feel like I, I trust him, I'm going to go to heaven and maybe that'll change things. But here, on the other hand, I've just come to the reality in my mind that this is how it's going to be to have a relationship with Christ. It's to be discouraged all the time, to be frustrated, to not have my prayers answered, to not get any of the desires of my heart. That's what the enemy likes to get us, God. Many people under the sound of my voice, God, feel like they live under a closed heaven. And that you just won't give a breakthrough. My begging doesn't matter, God. My pleading, so I'll just come to church. But I got issues with you. I got a lot of issues with you, God. God, I pray for that person. God, I pray for the person that, unlike David, David said, that I may see joy in the land of the living. God, fulfill them, but first, God, uproot those demonic thoughts. Help them to lasso them by going to war and take these thoughts captive. Help them to pull the darts out of their chest. Put them in surgery in your infirmary so the warriors can heal up. Heal up your warrior's heart. Heal up your warrior's mind. Restore to them the joy of their salvation. Renew the right spirit within them, God. Help them to hope again. Give them a breakthrough. Help them to hope again, no matter what they're going through, God. Help them to love again. Help them to love again. God, help them to trust again. I feel so much distrust in this room, God, because of hurt relationships. And they're around people, but they don't go deep with people. Break the stronghold. Let them know on what they're missing out on by holding on to these strongholds. Unleash them. These men and women, put them in beast mode for you, God. Restore them fully. Renew them based on Ephesians 4.23 in the spirit of their minds. Once more, God, I pray for marriages where husbands and wives exist together, but they don't live together. They're under the same roof, but not in the same room. God, heal their marriage. Heal God. Heal God. Heal God. Heal God. God, for the single person that doesn't believe that you care about singles, 
that your Christian life is invaluable until you get married. Touch them. And God, I pray that in every single area of their life that they would experience comfort, peace, and life, and health, and strength, and joy, and long-suffering, and self-control, and a passion for you. Help everyone on the sound of my voice. Like the deer pants for the water. Lord God, will you in the mighty name of Jesus help them to pant after you once again? I'm believing you, God, by faith. And I'm praying for myself in this. Help the struggles that we go through, Lord God, not to eclipse your love for us. And what you say about us, nor your gospel. In Jesus' mighty name, we bless you. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Everybody agree with that said, amen? Amen. Amen. You ought to give God a praise right there. Amen. Amen.